Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking to a Syracuse basketball legend and about a win over Pitt. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman and our guest today, Syracuse legend and 2003 national champion, Queth Dwayne. Queth, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, it's nice to get you as well. Yeah, great to be chatting with you as well. And Queth, we'll get you started on this one. It's been quite some time since you won a national championship with Syracuse back in 2003. Catch us up on what you've been up to since then. Um, wow. Yeah, that's uh, 2003, 2022, almost 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, the after a short stint playing professionally in Europe and uh, a little bit here stateside, I I tried to take a stab at business and I went to and I moved to Africa. I took my family back to South Sudan to to try my take at business and also help rebuild the country uh that basically had come out of twenty plus years of war. Um I wasn't a politician so the way I felt I could give back was try to create jobs, create opportunities take the expertise that I, I learned in school um, and, and just build something where people could have a dignity of work and help with the development program. Uh, it was a rude awakening going back home. It's different than life in the States, uh, but it, it was fulfilling because I, I used to advocate for more involvement of Americans and, and, and the U.S. government uh, when there was a war when the war did come to an end, then I kind of had to do what I was saying to for people to do was try to give back and help rebuild. So I spent uh, about 13 years on the continent working and uh, raising my kids with my wife between South Sudan and Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, and then also trying to help build basketball there. So my family helped about 50 some odd young men and women get scholarships to prep schools here stateside and take their stab at the opportunity of, of getting an education and using sports to do it. Um, so, yeah, so now we're back in the States, down in Florida, sunny Florida, um, and and just, just living life, enjoying ourselves, trying to stay COVID-free and, and be healthy. That's, that's pretty much what's going on now. Wow, Queth, congratulations on all your success in Syracuse. And since you mentioned it's almost been about 20 years since you won a title at Syracuse, do you have a particular favorite memory from that season? Um, that's, that's, that's a very difficult question to, to take, like, the entirety of a season and, and, and wrap it in one moment. Um, the... the that's hard to do. So I, I have a couple of moments that I, that 
that I do remember. I, I, I remember our first workout in, you know, the NCAA rules are always prevalent, so we couldn't always work out together in, in the basketball facilities. Uh, so we always had to go off site and play as, as a team. Um, and so we organized a workout at at, uh, at the, the student campus facility. I forget the name of it now. Wow. Um, and that was the first time that we laced up with all of us, Carmelo, G-Mac, Billy Edlin, Hakeem Ward, Josh Pace, and and we went at it. And I remember leaving the gym that day, um, calling Troy Weaver, who's now the GM at the Pistons, who was like, <laughs> we got something special here, you know, um, because I saw like 10 players who I legitimately thought could start. Um, you know, Carmelo, of course, was an out-of-this-world talent, but everyone else and, and was was competing for time. Um, Carmelo was just special with his size and, and ability to create and vision, and he's just ahead of his time. But when I, I was like, 10 guys, wow, this is going to be interesting. Uh, so I, that was the moment that I knew we were special. Um, and then you know, another one was when we finished the season and, and uh, finished undefeated at home, and we were going into the tournament. And we were hitting on all cylinders, and and we have the senior dinner, like uh, right after, the, right before the Big East tournament. And and I just remember looking at all the guys during the dinner, and something just felt different. Like we had beaten Michigan State at Michigan State, Missouri had come. We had pretty much we were battle tested, and and of course the rigorous Big East season. And at that time of that dinner, I remember guys were just like, "We're gonna, we're gonna do something crazy." <laughs> you know, it's only six games. <laughs> we won seventeen at home. Uh, we didn't lose anything at home, and uh, we we're like, "We could, we, 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 let's go out there and kind of shake things up." And and I knew everybody just believed in in what we had, um, and that's that, and that was rare. Because usually at the end of the year, a lot of things are are not so clear. You know, you may have seniors who are thinking of the NBA and, and getting themselves ready. you got guys who are upset about playing time and this or that and the other. Um, we didn't have any of uh, any of that bickering. There was none of it. Um, guys were all just trying to play to win, <laughs> which sounds... <laughs> like what it should, but it's not always like that. There's always the the team dynamics that, that come into play and playing time, coaching, politics, a lot of it. Uh, but when you get a team well or a machine working towards just winning, um, it's a different feeling. So uh, most players can tell the difference. At that time, I had been in a number of different very good teams at Syracuse at the time but the feeling of the team was just different. Um, and, and I, you know, I give the credit to the coaches and the players um, in helping to structure that culture uh, that year because I think we did things a little different that year than we had my previous years there. 
You mentioned some really legendary names, Carmelo Anthony, Hakeem Warwick, Jerry McNamara. Those are some really, really special names. Do you still keep in touch with those guys 20 years later? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I saw Jerry at the, at the was it Georgetown game in Maryland uh, just a few weeks ago. It's good to see him, you know. Um, I'm always texting and chatting with, with Josh Face and Hakeem Warwick mostly. Those are the guys to keep in touch with. Carmelo, I have not spoken to Melo in a very long time. Um, so it's mostly Hakeem and Josh and, of course, Andrew Cowley, who was one of the walk-ons. Um, he was another instrumental figure in the team, just personality-wise. So, yeah, we had a we had a good core team, good core set of guys. Jeremy McNeil I also keep in touch with. Um, spoke to Craig Forth last year. Uh, who else? Ronil Heron. He was another walk-on who's, who's, who I speak to periodically. Um, yeah, that, that, that's those are the guys I speak to. It's great that you guys keep in touch. And I wanted to get your take on the current team. I know it's been a slow start to the season, but what do you think they can do to improve? Uh, you know, everything starts with uh, the with, with being able to stop teams defensively. Uh, it just seems that they're having a tough time stopping guys. Uh, I know they switched to defenses a bit, going to 1-3-1 sometimes and going back to the traditional 2-3. Uh, I think they got to figure that out. Um, that's that's always where it starts. The zone has got to it's got to be effective, and then you got to rebound out of it. So, so that's one thing that I, I see as a challenge for them. And then um, just their their ability to handle pressure and ball handling. I think they got to figure out the ball handling responsibilities. That, uh, when the team gets pressured, and Gerard is only primary ball handler makes things a little difficult so they expect them to make shots but at the same time deal with a lot of pressure and I don't know if he's he's more of a hybrid guard who who's a little like Jerry in terms of you know being able to put up big numbers um, but he needs probably another ball handler to support and I don't know if, if that's what's if, if the lineup actually, if we have that right now, other than uh, Samir coming off the bench. Um, so I think those are the two things you got to figure out, how to get into your offense with with with, with, with guards and, and then getting stops consistently and rebounding out of it. Um, but they definitely got great shooting. Um, can't take that away from them. That always keeps you in the, in, in the game. Um but yeah, I think it's those. It's, it's what happens in the trenches, is what's going to get them back to to a winning a winning record. Um, and they, in the top of the ACC is pretty good this year. And Queth, we'll get you out of here on this one. You were captain of that 2003 team as a lone scholarship senior. You've always been looked at as a leader. So if you had to give the current team some advice, what would that be? Uh, I think they gotta you gotta come together. Uh, you know, there's a lot of naysayers on how good they are or how bad they are. You know, there's a lot of people who are turning on the program now. And this is this is a time when when the captain and, and the guys who are actually in trenches, they got to come together and bring the team together. And sometimes have just only player meetings and be like, look, man, we're, we've got an 8-8 eight eight record. 
only way we're going to turn this thing around is us. Uh, Coach Beheim can scream and yell and bench and any player do whatever, but at the same time, it's the guys who are on the court who got to figure it out. And when you're losing, guys normally retreat to their corners or to their cliques, and that's usually the worst possible thing that can happen. So someone needs to step up and and bring the players together and do it outside of the coaching and the media and establishment and, and figure it out. Because um, that's when you need it. It's when you need your your brother on the other side believing in you, even though things haven't been going great. So I think that's if if I was there, that's what I would try try to advocate for. Let's just let's have a meeting. Let's talk about this. Uh, let's figure this out uh, without the coaches. Uh, the coaches are going to coach. You know, we know how what's going to come, but what are we going to do as players? And and that's really all you have in your control at the time. And we and they got some good senior leaders. They got uh, Jimmy's there, Buddy's experience, uh, even Gerard. Uh, these guys, these guys should be able to rally the troops and and bring them all together, on and, and not let people retreat. Whether the media is bashing this guy or that guy or or whomever, you got to bring them in closer. That's when you got to protect you guys. Queth, thanks so much for coming on the program. Again, 2003 national champion Syracuse legend, Queth Dwayne. Queth, appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of the college basketball season, and we'll speak with you soon. All right, Wes, you take care. Thanks a lot. Uh, good luck with your show and everything you're doing. Just amazing catching up with Queth, and I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I am doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad Syracuse evening their record at 8-8 eight eight on Tuesday with a 77-61 win over Pitt. Syracuse played one of their best second halves of the season atop the Panthers. What were your thoughts on the game? Well, they certainly played a lot better, as you mentioned, after halftime. Uh, but let's face it, Wes, uh, Pittsburgh's not certainly one of the better teams in the ACC. And there's still a lot of development, I see, that this squad needs if it's going to make a run to get a winning record in the ACC and a winning record overall. Uh, I have a couple of questions, you know, as I, as I you know, review that the game against Pittsburgh. And it starts still with the rotation and the players coming off the bench. Now, Jim Beheim did a surprising thing in the first half, playing John Bolajak up front to, to have a bit of a bigger presence on the defensive end and bench Jimmy Beheim for a long stretch. That really opened my eyes a little bit for a couple reasons. One, you know, we've talked about how Beheim is set in his ways from a coaching standpoint. That sort of went against the grain in putting a player in that had only played in four previous games this season. But it also said to me that he knows he has to do different uh, things defensively the rest of the way if this team is going to have a shot to win games in the ACC. So that really stood out to me, uh, number one. Number two is the development of Benny Williams. And it's certainly been taking longer than I think most Syracuse fans would have expected, especially with his pedigree coming out of high school, uh, a top-notch recruit, a highest-rated recruit for the program since 2014. He still looks lost out there at both ends of the court, really having a lot of trouble getting in the flow from an offensive standpoint, has contributed some rebounds, 
but really has not been effective in playing the zone. Uh, the other element that stood out to me is when Syracuse can have both offensively inside and outside uh, scoring advantages, that really makes a big difference. Jesse Edwards has played you know, really well this year as he's developed in his third season. Of course, the problem is fouling out of game and he has been disqualified from all of the ACC games. But when Syracuse can combine the threat of the outside shooting of Buddy Beheim, Joe Girard, Cole Swider, and Jimmy Beheim to some extent, and then mix that up with inside play from Jesse Edwards, they can be really effective. And I guess the final note I have from the Pittsburgh game, I can start to see the development of Cole Swider. The assistant coaches have said it really takes a while for a transfer player to get into the system and get acclimated. And the more I've seen now in ACC play, uh, the more I think that Cole Swider is really going to make contributions uh, for the rest of the regular season for this team. Brad, you wrote about it in your Orange Watch column this week discussing how Syracuse is in serious jeopardy of having its first ever losing season under Jim Beheim. This win helps that, but how real is the danger of Beheim's streak coming to an end? It, it's certainly realistic, Wes. I, I, looking at the rest of the schedule, you, you can kind of go right down the list here. Florida State in the Dome uh, uh, this coming Saturday. You know, that, that's a toss-up game. Sure, Syracuse won in Tallahassee, but Florida State a great team knocked off Miami this week. So that's really going to be a, a t- tough game to get a victory. Then finishing up the three-game homestand with Clemson, you know, that's a team that Syracuse should beat in the Dome. I think at the same thing, time, though, you could say that Syracuse probably should have beaten Wake Forest on the road and didn't involve falling in overtime. Then going uh, to Duke, I, you know, can't see that Syracuse is going to win that game. Uh, a rematch with Pittsburgh on the road. Syracuse is a better team than Pittsburgh, but playing on the road in the ACC, that, that oftentimes is a toss-up. They owe Wake Forest, and they return a game in the Dome following that, and that's a game Syracuse should win. At NC State, really tough. Louisville, toss-up game in the Dome. Should beat BC uh, on the road. Probably lose at Virginia Tech on the road. Then should beat BC at home. Notre Dame on the road, I'd probably peg that as a defeat. Duke in Mike Krzyzewski's uh, finale appearance in Syracuse in late February. Big crowd, but, you know, Duke's a more talented team. Really tough to say that that would be victory. Uh, Two days later, going to North Carolina, you know, I've written for several years now, Syracuse has never beaten the Tar Heels at the Smith Center. Wouldn't expect that that would continue this year. And then the regular season home finale against Miami, we know how my how well Miami has played this year, even though Syracuse led by 18 points in the first half in the game at Coral Gables. So if they get the Georgia Tech game rescheduled or not, win once, maybe eke out a second game in Brooklyn, it's going to be right on the edge, West, for those final 14 games, uh, finishing eight and six to have a winning record. Seven and seven really won't do it. So it really is realistic and. I've mentioned to you the irony about all of this. Jim Beheim's coached his entire career, and he's been uh, having the enjoyable element of late in his career coaching his two sons. Now, he's at the age where you know normally he'd be a grandfather, right? But he married late, had his children late in life, so he's ending up coaching them in college late in his coaching career. The irony to me, though, if this turns out to be the first losing season in his career, 
that it happens to come in the one season he's coaching both of his sons. That really, that irony really is not lost on me and certainly would be an unfortunate result uh, that goes with all of the glory and the uh, gratitude and the enjoyment of coaching two sons in college basketball, but certainly would hate to have such a negative element to it like that. And Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Really feeling great about what's transpired in the offseason so far for the SU football program, Wes. And I know that's kind of hard to say with the losing that we've experienced on the field the last couple of seasons and since the bowl trip in 2018. But the hiring of three new assistant coaches certainly brings a lot of optimism to Dino Baber's coaching staff. The news this week that they ha- Syracuse has recruited out of the transfer portal a quarterback, Dan Valari from Michigan. Really important to get another player in the quarterback room uh, to compete with Garrett Schrader and the underclassmen that are returning. And then the news about the forward progress for the new football facility being built outside of Manly Fieldhouse. Syracuse needs to keep up with the Joneses in the ACC keep up with the other Power Five programs. And when you think about it now, uh, demolishing the current football facility and building this new uh, 21st century version of that, going from about 17,000 square feet to over 51,000 square foot facility, that really says a lot about not only how big and how uh, enormous and all the Uh, elements that are going to be there, the bells and whistles for recruits in the future, but that Syracuse football, the athletic department, and the university as a whole is really making a financial commitment to make sure that the football program can be in the best position to compete moving forward this decade and, and and in the future in the ACC. Brad, staying with football, my closing thoughts are on Syracuse All-American running back Sean Tucker, who will be running indoor track for the Orange this spring. He was the 55-meter state champion at Maryland two years in a row in high school and will be competing in the 60-yard dash at Virginia Tech this weekend. Tucker, of course, is more known for rushing for 1,496 yards in his sophomore season, and we're looking forward to seeing him on the track and back on the football field this year. I'm sure we'll be all pleased with his performance. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that when I look at the clouds, I see so many animals, mostly sheep who have lost their limbs and heads. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.